Hey everybody, this is Warren Sharp, NFL analyst over at Sharp Football Analysis. I want to welcome you to the Ringer Gambling Show. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays each week during the NFL season with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. We'll be talking spreads, game totals, parlays, player props, futures, and much, much more. Be sure to follow the Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Au contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Chicago everywhere. Check it. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Gold with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome into the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. Bears fans, I don't know if this is how you were waiting for it or this is what you wanted, but it seems like it is upon us. Matt Nagy, according to Patch.com and Mark Conkle, the, the reporting that is done by that young man, says Matt Nagy will coach his last Bears game on Thanksgiving from a source inside the building. Mark Conkle wrote, for disgruntled Bears fans looking for something to be thankful for after five straight losses, this is it. Matt Nagy will coach his last game for the Bears on Thanksgiving in Detroit. A top source with knowledge of the decision told Patch. Nagy was informed of his pending post-Turkey Day termination on Monday, the source said. Tuesday in his news press conference at Hallis Hall, Nagy told reporters, quote, that's not accurate. So there's a few ways that I want to address this. I want to talk to, to you guys about this because, you know, I've talked a lot about Matt Nagy since the beginning of this podcast. Hell, episode one was a 42-minute rant on the state of the Bears and what the season was going to be about or wasn't going to be about when they were hemming and hawing about starting Justin Fields. Took an injury to Andy Dalton for the number 11 pick in the NFL draft to get his starting job. Matt Nagy seems like a nice enough guy. Matt Nagy probably is a really decent quarterback's coach maybe an average offensive coordinator, but Matt Nagy is a bad head coach. And in a results-based business, this is always the part that sucks because getting fired is no fun. Most of us have been there, and if you haven't been there, then God bless you, and I hope that your professional success continues. But in a business like this where you know there are going to be five, six, seven, sometimes eight-year runs, but after a while, your voice starts to ring hollow. It's not resonating with the players. Uh, your, your plans aren't getting the results that you would hope they'd yield. And at some point in time, ownership or the front office says, you know what? This ain't working no more. And this is professional sports. I do want to say this, though. Firing Matt Nagy chance at Soldier Field is one thing. But the fire Matt Nagy chance at the kids' high school football game. I believe one of the young Nagy's uh, is a high school football player here in the local area. And those chants going up while Matt Nagy is trying to watch his son play football or just trying to hang out with the family. That, that shit is Bush League, and I would never condone it. I'm, I'm not a guy who likes to boo, never mind chanting fire Matt Nagy while I know his, his child is, is on the field trying to perform or I know he's up in the stands with his family. Like That, that to me, is off limits. I would never condone it, never um, – one, I would never tolerate it. Like, for instance, 
if if that is happening, that means that at some point I have to remove my family because you don't you don't want to have your family in an adverse situation. You don't want your professional life uh, impacting your family. And this is the life of a football coach. And this is the end of the football life of Matt Nagy as a Bears head coach. Now, the, the reports have been refuted by Matt Nagy at the podium, and we're still waiting to hear what other people around the organization, namely one of the McCaskies, has to say. Um, and we're taping right now at, what, 8.45 on a Tuesday night. Haven't heard anything yet. If it has popped up, my apologies, but haven't heard anything yet. Just the way the Bears do things, you know, as haphazardly as they've always done them before. Um, you know, we talk about the outlier season being the first season for Matt Nagy and the rest being pretty, pretty poor to say the least, especially in a league that promotes offensive output and you can't get any offensive output. You can't get the results that you need uh, as a scoring offensive minded head coach. Well, it's time to go. But you know what else is the outlier? The the year the Bears went to the Super Bowl with Brian Erlacher, Alex Brown, Lance Briggs, you know, Sed Benson, Rex Grossman, all those, Chris Harris, all those dudes, Peanut Tillman, uh, Pat Manley. Yeah, that was the outlier. 1985 was the outlier. This franchise has been run. It's been run less than adequately. It's been run poorly at times. And if I'm looking around trying to figure out who to blame, well, yeah, Matt Nagy's not a good coach, but guess what? He was hired by this organization. The organization hired Ryan Pace to bring Matt Nagy in. Ryan Pace is culpable in this situation as well. So while Matt Nagy is refuting the reports, and I'll believe it when I see it in terms of a a Bears coach getting fired in season because it's never happened in in the history of this franchise, I'll believe it when I see it. If the Lions game is his final game, so be it. We move on. There's there's a few guys on that coaching staff, I believe, who have head coaching uh, experience. Mike Penton was an interim head coach. Uh, there's a couple other guys on that squad. And and let's face it, you can always throw, you know, Chris Tabor or somebody as the interim and ride the rest of this thing on out and have the unit coaches be like de facto uh, community head coaches in each one of their little rooms. And then you come together as a big, big group and you try to win whatever games you got left in the season or you just try to put whatever on tape. Because these players, by the way, once you start hearing about your coach getting fired, there's two ways this thing going to go. You're either going to buckle down and try to make sure that you put on that first date face for whoever the new head coach is or whoever the new general manager or front office or whatever the case may be. The new people that are coming into the building, they're going to be looking at these last five or six games of tape. Or <laughs> Or you could say to hell with this, to hell with this team, to hell with this film study, to hell with this training table. My vacation starts early around Thanksgiving, to be in fact. Suit yourself. Either way, I I, I do not envy the position that these players, one, have put themselves in and two, have been put in, by the way, by, by the front office and by the organization. Speaking of the position that the organization has put people in, the fact that Chris Tabor, the special teams coach, was put before the media to answer these questions because you knew what was happening. When this report broke, as soon as it broke, the PR staff and everybody over there at Hallis Hall, they had to reshuffle some things. You got to have Matt Nagy go out there first. Or if you don't have Matt Nagy go out there first, you got to put out a statement. You got to refute it or say that we are we are taking this thing one week at a time. We are not here to comment about the future. Yeah, you're still going to get the questions, but there's a way that you handle it going forward. They bungled it. Once again, this team has bungled many a PR opportunity. This isn't one of the ones that they got right. So we move forward now. If Matt Nagy isn't the head coach going forward, what do the Bears have? And that's my question, because the infrastructure of this team is not what it's supposed to be. You got the McCaskey family. You got Virginia at the top. You got Ted Phillips, who a lot of people in this city uh, wonder how far his reach is, what decisions that he's making in terms of the football side of things. And then you got whatever consulting firm that the Bears are going to hire to find their next head coach. And maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just start talking amongst themselves. But the last couple of times this thing has happened, if I'm not mistaken, Ernie Acorsi and the boys have pulled up right at 1920 football drive up there at Hallis Hall. Yeah, 
the the old clown car of consulting firms pulls up and and this is why it's silly to me because the bears have been in the football business for a very very long time and the fact that they're still reaching out to other uh entities to consulting firms and all these other people to try to figure out who's going to lead their franchise lets you know that something hasn't something hasn't settled in in terms of the way you should do things at some point there needs to be a football person there needs to be a person who the buck stops with him or her. And for whatever reason, there's this mismatch. There's this, this quagmire of decision making. And you get decisions like Ryan Pace. You get decisions like Matt Nagy. The last time this team had a coach that the players or the rest of the league or fans respected was Lovey Smith. The Mark Trestman era was a flop. Matt Nagy's first season was cool, but we've seen what these last three years are. I just don't know if we're getting mad at the wrong things as fans. And I'm not here to have the pitchforks and the torches going up to Hallis Hall and saying sell the team and all this other stuff because ain't nobody getting out the football business that doesn't have to get out the football business. Jerry Richardson and some of these other dudes who have had to be booted out of their out of their positions because of uh, workplace malpractice or, or just – just being downright rotten people, yeah, that happens. And they still got broke off a chunk of change. But no family is getting out of the football business that doesn't have to. And this family, I don't think, is going to be one of them. So how do you really impress upon them that the next decision that needs to be made has to be one that, that not only sets the culture, but sets the culture of how you're going to do things. Not just a culture setter in coaching, but a culture setter in talent evaluation, a culture setter in hierarchy. I don't know if the McCaskies or uh, the powers that be don't want to hand over too much power to someone to run the not just the day to day, but just be the football overall voice in the in the building. But it's not working and it's become it's become a little bit of a, a shit show. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New York Giants, all these other teams who are, you know, parts of the pillars of the NFL, parts of the, you know, the, the group of, uh, of men and women who gathered at a car dealership back in the day to form this thing. And those franchises have had different levels of success, but more times than not, they've had more success than one of the teams that came into it with them in the Chicago Bears. The way the Roonies run things, the way the Maras run things, I mean, it shows that there is a different level or attention to detail that has been paid just by the Super Bowl trips, just by the sustainable success, just by the fact that these other franchises can find the most important position in all of team sports and develop it and nurture it and draft it or pay for it, right? I mean, the Giants have had Phil Simms and Eli Manning and a bunch of quarterbacks. You know, the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have had Terry Bradshaw and the like. They've had Ben Roethlisberger. Those fan bases have had quarterbacks who have been their quarterback for, you know, half a decade plus, seven, eight years. And that's all you really need. If you get the guy, you can build around it. The problem is the Bears don't have the right decision makers in place. So we could talk about the move to Arlington Heights. We could talk about whoever the next coach is going to be. We could talk about what Justin Fields needs to have around him. Are you sure and are you positive and are you confident that the right people will be pulling the trigger on that move? I'm not. And I've got all the results and all the receipts to fortify that belief and back up that opinion. And it's no shade. It's no shade at the McCaskies. I'm just talking about what I've seen and what I've lived through. Never mind anybody else that's older than me. So as Matt Nagy's tenure seemingly is coming to an end, and like I said, no shade to Mark Conkle, but I believe it when I see it because we haven't seen it before in the middle of the season. But Matt Nagy just wasn't the guy, and now you move on. But I'm not positive that this group and this leadership will be able to find whoever that guy or girl is. I'm not positive of that because of all the other results that I have, the mounting evidence that I have on one side of the column or one side of the ledger, as opposed to what I hope for it to be on the other side of the ledger. And while we're at it, you know, this sourcing game is really, really interesting. And if you've got this kind of leak in your building, it says something. It speaks to the fact that there are people who don't agree with how things are being ran and want to embarrass you. Now, 
Usually sources are people who are embedded in a, in a franchise and an organization that you can call on. You got different levels of them. You could, you could tap into somebody once a week, once every two weeks, whatever the case may be. And then you got the big guns who you don't hit up unless it's time to get that cheddar, right? Unless it's time for you to get that scoop, unless it's time for you to, to rock them bells, right? To me, this, this reeks of one of two things. This reeks of somebody making a call and saying, hey, what's happening there? Or somebody calling out to somebody and saying, this is what ha- this is what's happening. And it's a bombshell. Or you get the, the, the weird, the weird aspect of this that is in my head. We all know. And if you if you follow this thing, Ian Rappaport is very close to this bear situation. Whether it be the Aaron Cromer situation that happened a few years ago or any of the news that comes out of Hollis Hall, Ian Rappaport has always had a pipeline into the Bears franchise, as all good reporters do. But he's got a he's got a particularly close one, I think. And this is just me, and this is just me speaking on it. I believe Ian Rappaport and Matt Nagy exchange um ideas and thoughts quite often and sometimes when people know that that is happening or sometimes when uh you know a a source is is maybe too close to someone and you you'll be able to to read where it's coming from sometimes sometimes those reporters give that information out if it's not gonna if it's not gonna make them look poor in front of their bosses and you, you want something to get out. Maybe a guy's been giving you information this entire time and you want to help him out. I'm not saying this is happening with Matt Nagy, but if this is a leak from inside the building, fine. But if Mark Conkle is standing on this saying, hey, this dude is going to get fired on Thanksgiving Day or after Thanksgiving Day. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Matt Nagy telling this to Ian Rappaport or this is Matt Nagy telling this to somebody else because he doesn't like the. The, the raw deal that he's been given, the hand that he's been dealt. I'm sure Matt Nagy feels like he hasn't had the quarterback that he wanted as of yet. I'm sure Matt Nagy has felt like his offense can run very well if he's got a line. But guess what? Haven't been provided for him. Hasn't been drafted. You've had some injuries. Tevin Jenkins this year, the left tackle who you thought would be over there. He, Jason Peters has been the dude who's been over there. By the way, Jason Peters is trying his hardest, but Jason Peters is cooked as cook can be. Yeah, I, I, I would not put it past anybody to say, you know what? Y'all didn't give me what I needed, so this is what it is. You're going to fire me? Please believe people are going to hear about it. I, I, I would not put that past Matt Nagy. The reason why I wouldn't put it past him is he still has to go out there and do his job. And I'm going to tell you a story right now. The time that I got fired, I found out that I was getting fired during the middle of a show. And you just got to go back out there and do your job. It was a tough time, but you know people are watching. And you don't want people to think that you're the 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 troublemaker. You're, you're the guy that's going to start shit when you know there's some unrest ahead. You know, corporations and teams and all these people want to see your character. How do you ride it out when they don't act in the uh the with the most character? When they when they don't they don't have the most professionalism. You know, behind the scenes, it gets political and it gets nasty. I can only imagine what's happening up at Hallis Hall. I can only imagine after these last few games was being said to and about Matt Nagy by people he thought was down with him. So this source game is weird, y'all. I would not be surprised if Matt was like, yo, <laughs> I'm not going out of here without people knowing that these people are trying to fire me right now. Or you just got a bunch of leaks in your building. Either way, the infrastructure is, is not healthy. The way this franchise is run is not healthy. Uh, Bears fans have been living and dying with, uh, let's face it, an organization that knows you're not going anywhere. The moment they start to see those stands get a little bit empty like they did a few years back, they switch it up, but they know in the end that you're not going anywhere. So now they'll trot out the next, you know, obviously you got to get a guy who's the the antithesis of, of the guy that you just uh, let go. So maybe they'll get a stoic guy. Maybe it'll be a defensive guy, although I don't see how that will work, seeing as how you've got Justin Fields as your quarterback and he's your hope. You got to nurture him as much as you possibly can with an offensive system that not only will accentuate his talents, but bring out the best in everything that is Justin Fields because if he ain't it, then we're in another dark period of Bears football for another four or five years. So, yeah, 
I expect wholly for that to happen. And yes, we're going to be scouring the internet and scouring all these assistant coaches in the playoffs saying, who's, who's the next guy? Who's the next offensive genius that, that the Bears can try to, you know, task with the, 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 the unenviable task of trying to win a Super Bowl in a city where offense has come few and far between. Every, every six, seven years, there's a decent offense that you can get your, your, your fandom behind. But other than that, it's more of the same. And, oh, by the way, you got an aging defense. You got an aging defense, and you made a trade for a guy in Khalil Mack who you've gotten to the other side of that trade now, and you didn't win as much as you probably thought you would, and it looks a little rough. So, yeah, if I'm a head coach coming into this situation, I'm calling the shots. I've got all the leverage. Tell me why I should come and, and coach not only Justin Fields, but coach in a city where offense hasn't ruled the day, where – coaches haven't had let's say the the backing maybe that they would have liked yeah this is this is not a good situation it may be good to some Bears fans that Matt Nagy is going to be out of here because he simply just wasn't a good enough head coach but in the end at some point gotta look upstairs the problem is who we looking at This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. Pat uh, obviously was a bear for a long period of time, a record-setting time. But the level of uh, leadership that he brought in the... Uh, the sense of uh, camaraderie and team teammateship, uh, if that's a word, I'm not sure it is. I, I've been noted to make up a few. So, Saruti, you have to understand, my relationship with Patrick Manley has, has like grown since, I don't know, when I started, 2001. Uh, I, was, I was the guy on the Boars and Bernstein show that when we went to Bourbon A, I had to go corral the players, right? Like I had to jump into the, the cart and go by the cafeteria. And I knew what it was. Like Bernstein didn't want to go over there. Terry couldn't walk over there. You know, <laughs> Natty and I were probably just sleeping off hangovers from the night yep. before. But I, <laughs> but I was the one commissioned. One, because I was, you know, like, let's face it, I was the brother. So, you know, so <laughs> the, the, maybe uh, maybe they thought that the Bears would treat me a little bit differently than, you know, the old white guy or the, the little Jewish dude who was constantly lambasting them. Uh, shout out to Dan and Terry. Uh, but the, every time I went by the cafeteria, it always seemed like Pat Manley knew that, you know, he understood the gig. Right, yes. Pat, Pat Manley yeah. understood why the questions were being asked, why you had to do what you had to do. But boy, when when other players didn't understand, it always made me appreciate Pat Manley that much <laughs> more. Because uh, for for 16 years, this man played for the Chicago Bears, six round pick in the 1998 draft, the longest um, career in Chicago Bears mm -hmm. history. Uh, special teamer, uh, long snapper extraordinaire. Uh, and I, I saw it as Wikipedia, uh, hailed by many as one of the greatest long snappers of all time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Pat Manley joins us here on the Full Goal Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. Of course, Spotify is the gang. Pat, you joined us on a, on a terrific day to be talking oh, some Bears football. <laughs> so the report is out. Mark Conkle from Patch, who is a, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, uh, has, is reporting that Matt Nagy has been informed that the Lions game will be his last game. Thanksgiving Day will be his final game as the Bears head coach. Now, since that report has come out, Pat, he has addressed it. Matt Nagy has talked to the media. He said that that report is inaccurate. And then when some questions started being asked, all of a sudden it's kind of sounded like he was covering for some people like as if he knew that news and now it's gotten out. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole bunch of ways we can go with this, but – being a former player, being in those situations where you know your coach might be on the way out, 
What's happening in that locker room right now? Before we even get to how we got here, what are the players thinking? Because they went through a walkthrough, and then they come back to their phones, and then they see that their coach might be on the outs after this game. Well, you know, after that five-game losing streak, uh, just starting on Monday, you know, or Sunday evening, you're like, uh-oh, could something happen now? Because we've done it again. You know, they had the six-game losing streak last year, five this year. It's not a comfortable feeling. I think all players know that. They get it. And, and there's talk already started. And maybe coaches are talking amongst themselves as well. It's like, man, this is getting really bad. But today's news, this is one where you're talking to your best friend in the locker room and you're talking quietly in the corner. Like, what the heck is going on? Like, maybe why, why haven't the McCaskies addressed this? Why did the, the timing of all this take place? You put Chris Tabor out in front of the Bears, be the first person to answer this question which just, I don't understand. We, you know, we're, we can get into this all different ways, but let me go mm-hmm. off on that real quick. Yeah. You don't put your special teams coach out there first. You either put a little press, uh, press deal out there saying we deny the rumors or just say we're going to switch the lineup today. Matt Nagy is going to address this situation first. Then we'll have Sean Desai, Chris Tabor, and the players. That's a simple way to do it. I just, they messed this up again. Their PR department right now has made the Bears look just kind of stupid. I mean, the word is stupid. It's just, it's wrong the way they've handled this. And then to go back to being a player, you would feel the same way. Cause you'd be like, man, why is Tabes, you know, call Chris K. Why is Tabes being the first one to answer these questions? And, and what, what, you know, why are you marching me up there? I think it was Tayshawn Gibson, Andy Dalton, you know, they're going to get asked a quick, quick question, but then they're going to ask the questions about the lions, but it was just messed up from the beginning. As soon as you hear the support, as soon as you see Twitter go crazy, as soon as you see the media room on fire with Brad Biggs, all those guys in there, yeah. you go ahead and just handle that. You stop that right there. and Just to me, just a, a one, one sentence thing from George McCaskey would have been fine or something short and small from Ryan Pace. But no, listen, he's our, or he's our quarterback. I was doing, going back to Lovey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rex, Rex versus Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Let's get it. <laughs> he's our coach. And, and you know, these, these are fault. These rumors are false. We, our job right now is to win games and finish the season. That's how you handle it. Not that's simple enough. And they bungled it again. And it's unfortunate, but uh, we've seen it before here at Hallis Hall. And it's yeah. just sad to see it again. Yeah, you mentioned they're bungling it again. I mean, the day yeah. McGinnis hiring, I think about oh, that, where you, you think a coach is being hired and all of a sudden the, the, the needle on the record scratches and all of a sudden you got to go back to the lab with that one. You were, you were around for that day, if I'm not I mistaken, was. right? Yes, I was. So I was going into my second year, and I wanted to get to that as well as maybe talk about the locker room a little bit more of how the guys are dealing with this. Being a second-year player, you have no idea what's going on. You know, it's your first time basically in the NFL. You, you're, I'm basically a rookie, and – you're like, okay, Dave McGinnis is my new head coach. All right, who, who is he connected with for special teams coaches? I'm starting to look down the list, like who's going to be maybe my next coach? Right. What's he like? What's practice going to be like with this guy? You're calling other people maybe on – I think he was from Arizona. Ask him what he's like as a coach. Is he a hard-ass? What, you know, what's that all going on? But an older player, you kind of get it. You know, you're like, all right, this happens. Um, I gave a line the other day. Uh, Jody Camillus gave me a great line when I thought about maybe getting into coaching. He said, well, if you get into coaching, make sure you buy a house on wheels. Because you're going to be moving. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. Because you're going to get fired, you're going to be moving. And as an older player, you understand that. Coaches come and go, players come and go. So you deal with it differently than you do as a younger player. Younger player, you have no idea how a building works, how the hierarchy works between president, see all that kind of stuff. And as you get older, you figure it out. But, um, yeah, this is just – this was – it was bungled again. But that situation with Dave McGinnis was – I just – I didn't know what I – I didn't know what I didn't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. there's been other press conferences, whether they be the ridiculous or the sublime. I mean, you know, every once in a while I see Jerry Azuma at a barbershop and I, I remember the Jerry Azuma <laughs> I remember the Jerry Azuma retirement press conference that yes. he called himself um, yeah. the, you know, on, on a more serious note, the Brandon Marshall co- press conference, that sure. he, yep. refuting mm-hmm. you know some of the claims of domestic dispute, uh, domestic abuse that have been levied against him, and all the other stuff that has happened. Where you know the Phil Emery years, right? The Mark yeah. Tressman years. Um, you can I even talk- go to the uh, Olin Krutz and Fred Miller situation. I thought Krutz they mishandled that. They did not yeah. find out or relay the real answer of what happened, and that hurt Fred Miller and Olin Cruz, and also obviously hurt the organization. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. I talked to Ryan Shazier every Tuesday, uh, former Pittsburgh Steeler, former Ohio State Buckeye. Mm-hmm. He and James Jones and I do the Tuesday edition of the Ringer NFL show. And the way he talks about the Roonies and about, you mm-hmm. know, the, the stability 
top to bottom. What they've had three coaches in the the entirety yep. of their franchise's legacy, uh, and they know this decision is coming from here. This the businessman is over here, the money person is over here, the marketing person is here. There's a hierarchy. Uh, and, and then I wonder, as a Bears fan, like you just said about being a rookie or a second-year player, you only know what you know. We only right. know infrastructure-wise what we know. We hear about other teams. We see other teams. We laugh about other teams. And we say, oh, that's admirable. But infrastructurally, what is the hierarchy? Because we, we know the names, right? We know yes. Virginia McCaskey. Mm-hmm. Then we know the, the kids. And then we know Ted Phillips. W- what is the hierarchy? And from a player's perspective uh, now, from the outside looking in, how how is that stacking up against the rest of the NFL? Because for me, Pat, the firing of Matt Nagy is one thing, but the way that you go about it, if I'm a candidate looking to coach Justin Fields, I come in here with a lot more leverage than I probably should have because it's like, hey, you guys have been ass for a long time making these kinds of decisions, and my name is the next one that's going to be on the chopping block. This, this, and this is what I'm going to need assurances of because it didn't work out for the last three guys. Yeah, well, let's let's start with maybe I'll go as a young guy and a veteran because as a veteran I got to uh, see when they when they fired um, you know Lovey Smith and that whole situation. But as a young guy, the hierarchy is your position coach, the uh, coordinator, to the head coach, to the general manager, and that's pretty much all you know. That's all mm-hmm. you care about. You're just trying to play well, keep your job, try to get that next contract, uh, make yourself you know a lifer in the NFL. But right. as an older guy and you're around the building more, you start to hear and see things. Uh, you see big decisions made. So with the Bears, obviously it's the same going from player to GM. But then you 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 meet Ted Phillips. You know who Ted Phillips is. You know what he does. And then you meet George or Michael McCaskey at the time, and then George McCaskey. And then you see some of those decisions that those two were making when they fired Jerry Angelo. You could maybe understand it, but then you look at who they brought in and Phil Emery, who is, it's it's hard to say because he's a guy that I've known for shoot twenty five years now since my rookie year. He was there at the beginning. <clears throat> but it was obviously the wrong decision. And then he decides to fire Lovey Smith, which co- was completely the wrong decision in all our opinions. I mean, we drove in on that bus after the last game, kind of knowing he was going to get fired. But you know those decisions are coming from George and Ted. And they have been wrong now for 20, no, uh, 12, 12 years or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's, since George got so bumped. Yeah, yeah. so you know, it's, you know it's them making the decisions. And as an older person, you know, and you look at them and you keep seeing these decisions made that are incorrect. And you look at them and you're like, how are we going to fix this? I don't know. They, they, you know. They're in charge. It's their team. So um, you were talking about talking to Ryan Shazier and knowing who's making those decisions in Pittsburgh. That's who's making the decisions in Hallis Hall. And you know that, but you keep seeing the wrong decision made. It's, 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 I, I don't understand how they do that. Shoot, they had Bruce Arians in the building. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he goes yeah. and wins the Super Bowl. Here's right. another small one. We had Bobby Slater, who was the assistant trainer, yeah. when we were looking for a new trainer. Guess where he's a trainer at? Tampa Bay. He won a Super Bowl. So just decisions like that. And those are the people making the decisions of who they're going to be. You know, it's at that time, uh, the trainer decision is ultimately Phil Emery, but they chose Phil Emery. And it all comes down to those three, the general manager, Ted Phillips, and George McCaskey, making those decisions. And those are just two examples beyond what most people talk about, that they messed up. And that's just kind of why I think the direction the Bears have gone is the way it's gone. How did we get here? Uh, the first year, you know, T formation, Sunday night football, Khalil Mack, you know, doing everything that he did in a loss. But that was mm-hmm. the that was the most pleasant loss in, in the last 15 years for me as a Bears fan. Right. It, no, it, symbol- it, it symbolized hope. Right. You yes, made a it, huge it, it, trade. You know, you did. got yourself the hot offensive guru coach. And now four years later, that year was the outlier. That year was the, 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 the you know, if it happens in the middle of those four years, you're like, oh, maybe this thing could be turned around. But the last three years, the offense has gotten worse. How many quarterbacks are you going to get a chance to develop or even pick? Uh, how, how did we get here from where this thing started? Matt Nagy calling plays in the last couple of games for the Kansas City Chiefs to becoming the head coach of the Bears to now where we are. I, I, my, maybe my three answers are Matt Nagy's bad offense is number one. And then I think we'll know in time whether Mitch Trubisky was truly a bust because you, we watch Matt Nagy's offense now with Justin Fields and what they're doing is not good. Maybe maybe Mitch gets another chance somewhere else. And we're like, man, it really was not Matt Nagy. 
or it could have been Ryan Pace trading up again and pulling Mitch, uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky out instead of some of the other quarterbacks they could have got. And the other one to me is Vic Fangio, him, him leaving. I mean, that defense, he, when he gets some players, he might be one of the best coordinators in the league, if not the best. So with him leaving and moving on and moving up and getting a head job and not being able to replace him to that level, I think those are the three biggest things. And I would put most of the, the weight on Matt Nagy and his offense. I mean, that's why you brought him here. That's, he was here to score points. And what have they not done? They can't score points. Yeah, Ben Solak, who does a great job for us here at The Ringer, mentioned something to the effect of if you look at the Andy Reid coaching tree, you know, each one of those guys had bumps in the road because mm-hmm. Andy Reid is the architect of all, everything that's going on. And Andy Reid is kind of like a cook, right? Where if you don't have all the measuring cups, I know exactly how much to put in here. And I got the answers for the next test. Like the NFL, right. you know, NFL comes back with the answers. Like, all right, this is what we're going to do to your offense. Andy Reid being the, the, you know, the generator, the architect of this whole thing, he's got the answers to the counterpunch. Seems mm-hmm. like a lot of his, um, his, his, you know, his guys that have come out, whether it be Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, seems like some of them have some of the answers, but Matt Nagy, for whatever reason, with this offense has been stifled. Uh, is it the offense? Is it the way Matt Nagy is going about deploying the offense? Like, where has where's the disconnect really come football-wise as you watch, you know, over the last two, three years? Well, number one, if you're going to run that Kansas City offense, and I think you saw it last week against the Cowboys – They've got their O-line fixed, right? Kansas City does. So if you're going to run that offense with, with an empty set or just a single back and shotgun, you've got to be able to block up front. So you've got to put some, uh, some of the problem on Ryan Pace for not building this offense to how it can truly succeed. Um, there are still some times I wish Matt Nagy would adapt, and that's he should do better with his personnel out there. But you've got to put some of this on Ryan Pace for not helping him out. I mean, you don't have five – you can't line up five guys – right in front of Mitch Trubisky, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, or Justin Fields and say, or those five guys and say, we're going to block them all day and just find the open guy. You don't have enough time to do that. So to me, that's been the biggest problem. But then if you don't have that, Matt Nagy, adjust. Just adjust. We've seen it. We've, we've been bitching about this for years, even when Mitch Trubisky was a quarterback. Get him out of the pocket. Get these quarterbacks to do what they do best, and they haven't done that. And they finally started to do it a little bit now with Justin Fields. But then what do they do? They revert back to the empty set last week, and what happens? Justin Fields gets sacked with a fumble on second and four after they've been moving the ball down the field with play action, run, roll in the pocket. So sometimes they just can't get out of their own way. If you were looking at this job and you are a potential head coaching candidate and you look at what Justin Fields can be and you look at some of the weapons mm-hmm. that are on the offense already, defense is aging a little bit, so you're going to have to definitely you know, take the, uh, the scissors and the glue and copy and paste some other things. What would you be asking of the Bears brass in terms of what was here before, why did it go wrong, um, and what I can expect? Like, what are the questions that you come into the interview with as a head coaching candidate? Well, just number one, how are we going to build this team back? If I'm talking to GM, what is your picture? What do you see? Uh, Well, then explain to me what's the cap situation. Um, Who's healthy? Who's going to be on the way out? Um, I would just kind of find out who the players are at first. And then I would have my own – I guess I would probably study that before the interview. But I would know what I would want to get done. And to me, if you've got Justin Fields, it's now – Chicago's always been a defensive town. People love that and running the ball. The NFL's changed. The rules have changed. This is about Justin Fields. This is about this offense. This is about scoring points. So I'm, I would ask – or actually I would tell them, I'm here to score points. Help me score points. This is what I want. I need an offensive line that can protect my quarterback – I want a very good running back. It doesn't have to be great. It can be, you know, find me one a third round, a sixth right. round, get me a good right. running back. And I need at least two legit receivers. And I don't know if the Bears have that right now. Allen Robinson is one. Mooney to me is good, but he's not that legit guy yet. Can he get there? For sure. But I just don't see him as that legit guy. So if I'm building an offense, those maybe I'm not gonna ask questions. That's what I'm telling I want. Is that if that is that if that works? Yeah, no doubt. Uh why? Why the consulting firm route for a team that's been this storied and has this kind of legacy? Like, I, I think of it like this. And I was talking to a couple of dudes I work with at NBC Sports Chicago last night about this. And it was just freestyling, talking about what's, what's next for the Bears. You know, I think of it like fashion. 
Like fashion yeah. starts in the streets and then all of a sudden old heads like myself find it. And by the time we find it, it's two years late and the new kids are like that sweatsuit you're wearing. Ah, you feel me? <laughs> I love you see it. Me? I love it. You know, they're calling like it, it athleisure <laughs> these days, right? Yes, I'm about I like to, it. I like I'm about it. to go walk the mall with all the yep. grannies here. You know, <laughs> I, I'm feeling myself, but like fashion, it starts yes. at the, on the, on the streets. It starts in the streets mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it makes its way to runways. But by that time, the streets are wearing something different. For me, it seems like, and I could be wrong and please, correct me if I'm wrong. When you're going to a consulting firm to tell you who the coaches are, you're already in the streets. <laughs> like if you don't have the people who are already in the streets and you deal in the street business, like you, you're in the football business. So yeah. why at this point? Cause I'm tired of hearing that. Well, he's not a football guy or this person isn't a football person after a while, fam. It, it, if I'm in the baking business, I can't no longer say, you know, I'm not a cake person or I'm not a pastry right, person. Right, right. I got to learn how to become one of those people so that I can put the, the, the proper product out there. If I'm constantly going to consulting firms, isn't it highlighting the fact that I may not have who I need to have, in my building or I haven't given the proper power to the people I need is that I mean is it Italian evaluation thing or is it like insular thinking so that nobody's toes get stepped on like what's happening I, I, at Hallis Hall I think I think I think it's bigger than that they've been in the pro football business for 102 years so they've been in the fashion business for 102 years <laughs> and they're still not good at it they started the fashion business they started pro football how do you not have the answer in 102 years I don't know and there's answers all around the league Follow other teams and how their hierarchy goes. And I mean, Michael McCaskey moved away as president. And finally, they gave a, a more traditional, you know, trying whatever you call those things, a flow chart of, of, yeah, of, yeah. of positions. But the, the answer is, I don't know. I don't understand how they haven't figured this out in 102 years. Hmm. You know, they did early on because they had George McCaskey there, who was, who was the man who did it all. And then after he left, why can't you find somebody to be similar to him? And you just don't have that right now in their family. I, well, nobody's going to be similar to that man. Right, I mean, right, I'm right, sorry, right. not George. Yeah, George Hallis. George Hallis. Yeah. George Hallis. It's all good. Two, two different humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I just don't know how they Just like Vince Lombardi yet. and Vic Lombardi yes. are two different guys. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that, was a bad, that was a bad slip there. <laughs> no, you're good, baby. You're good. <laughs> no, um, but no, I just don't understand how they don't have the answers. That, so that's the answer to, I have to you. It should yeah. be. Find somebody. Try something different. They've been doing the same thing over and over and over. Try something different. Bring somebody else in. Uh, and, and don't be a consultant. Let them maybe – I said this the other day on a podcast, and some people disagree with me, agree with me. Why the Bears, with all the tradition and history they have, do not have a Bears player in that building. That's what I was about to ask and you. I, <laughs> and I'm not saying a player to be the GM or this or that. Have people there that have bled, had surgery, wore the helmet, spent many years there that understand truly who the Chicago Bears are, have them in the building to maybe bounce some thoughts off uh, off of if you're George McCaskey or Ted Phillips. Those are real football guys. You know, like mm-hmm. let's just say Olin Krutz. If he's sitting there, and he's not somebody that's going to be a yes man, right? But bring somebody in like that, a Gary, whoever it is, a former a Mike Singleton, whoever it is, and they don't have to make football decisions. They don't have to be – always in all the meetings or have their, uh, you know, over the shoulder of the head coach or GM, but just have them in the building to get a pulse of what's going on and to know what, what to ask of the GM, what to ask of the head coach and just how to be a better football person yourself. So Pat, why do you think that is in terms of the players and the separation from the team and the former? Because we used to take phone calls all the time, like hire Mike Singletary to be the coach and all this other right, stuff. And right. we, sh- we shoot that down. And obviously that's not what we're talking about. But is there is there a plus from keeping what was Bears yesteryear away from Hallis Hall, if anything? Like is there is there some kind of thinking that they don't want to have challenged or is it that they just don't trust it? I, you know, they always tell us we're more than welcome to come by, but it just doesn't feel that way, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'll go back to, yeah, it just, it just doesn't feel, you know, they got a new security gate up there, and maybe I'll get into it a little bit. You get to the security gate, and you're like, hey, I'm here to, to get into Alice Hall, and they're like, who are you again? <laughs> I'm like, uh, 16 years I was here, man. I was coming through this gate. Uh, can I just sure. go in and see T-Med, the, the equipment manager? Uh, hold on one second. We have to call in. We have to get this done. Here's your credential. Let's print this up. Let's do that. To me, I, okay, security, security, but some, for some people, that I, you just don't need it that much. And, uh, you know, they, they do that, but they do it for everybody, which is fine. But back to my rookie year, we had Mike Singletary come in. We actually had him on the pregame show uh, this year, and he's, he's just awesome. We're a great speaker. And he spoke to us as a team, and it was just cool to see that iconic man in front of him. 
there are so many iconic players the Bears have had. It just, you know, you see their pictures, you see their names on the, on the walls of Hallis Hall. I think it would be great just to have men. Hey, guys, Friday, um, Richard Dent's going to be here at lunch when you guys are all having lunch. He's just going to be hanging out in the corner. If you want to say hello, say hello. You know, just bring guys in like that just to kind of get the feel of all I mean, these, what, 27, 28 Hall of Famers now? Yeah. Have some of those guys come in and just hang out. They don't have to speak all the time. They don't have to come into the D-line room or whatever room and say your technique this and you're doing it wrong. We did it like this back in the day. Just have them around. I think that's important. And then it's also important for if they are around, then schedule lunch with Ted and George. <laughs> just have a conversation. And I think it's really that simple. And then maybe you find some guys that you vibe with more than others and you're like, hey, I want you around here more. You, you, the, guys, the guys enjoy you being around. I liked what you had to say to me. I like the answers you gave me, or the or I didn't like the answers you gave me, but I want to know more why. So just have that have those casual conversations with the guy guys. Maybe they're doing that. I never saw that. I don't know any guys that are doing that in my era. But I think it's just that something that simple that would make you smarter about your own team. And you're talking to the guys who have a true passion about the team. Coaches have passion for the team. Uh, you know, staff have passion for the team because. You know, they're working for you. They want that paycheck. They got to pay their mortgage. They got to take care of their kids. But a player is different. I'm telling you, a player is different. You put a helmet on, you go out to Soldier Field, and you play for the McCaskies, you play for the Hallis name, you play for the Chicago Bears, you play for the city. And that's just a different feeling than coaches and staff. And I, I just, I wish they would do more of that. And I'm not saying it, it needs to be me because there's a lot smarter, better football people than me. But that's, that's the way that they could get to know. Their, org- their own organization better, in my opinion. What happens now? Because you're going to have to have the upheaval of a staff. And, you know, like you mentioned, all the people that come along with all the hires that you grow used to mm-hmm. if you've been there for two, three years. Um, the turnover. You know, we we live in this Madden era where you could just yep. fire a staff and hire yep. a new one, and all of a sudden you keep it moving. Um, the, getting used to guys, trusting people. Uh, maybe a coach gets hired that you've heard bad things about. Like what, what happens from this point on where there's talks about the coach getting fired to if that day does happen? What, what are players going through right now trying to figure out what's next for them? And what's on the line for this season? Because you're always playing, trying to put stuff on tape for other teams. Is there – is there any less impetus to to be fully dug in? Like, how does that manifest itself as well? Is it less tape watching once the season's gone? To no, hell? I, I think my honest answer is this: is you you start as a player, and maybe some people don't want to hear this. You get a little more selfish because <laughs> you start to play for yourself. You're putting your resume tape out there. You've heard a lot of people talk about it. that's your tape, that's your livelihood. But what's crazy is sometimes when guys do that, it's better for the whole unit because they actually might watch more tape. They might spend more time in the weight room because they know they got to put these final six, seven games on video for maybe a new GM, maybe a new head coach, maybe another team's GM and head coach. And that's, that's honestly is what I, my hypothesis is why some of these teams, all of a sudden they go three and three at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Cause they're like, wait a minute, hmm, I've got to play harder now because I've got to put some more tape out there. Cause what right. if this new guy comes in? I don't want to take my family from Chicago and move somewhere else. Um, and maybe that brings it all together. But I honestly, I, that's what I did for myself. And I, maybe I shouldn't admit that, but I did. I got a little more <laughs> selfish. And then on the bigger picture, like I, I think, I, you know, I used to go to O-line room for 13 years or whatever. It almost felt like that room got closer. So I think the units get a little closer because they know it's their tape as well. It's their unit. So that's kind of what happens. Um, you, you still enlisten in respect to the head coach. The ones I had, you know, with Lovey getting fired, Dick Geron, Dave Wants said I was only a rookie. Uh, you know, left Mark Tressman had one more year, but the two that I had that got fired, I respected those guys greatly as humans, as head coaches. It was just unfortunate the situation they were in. You're hoping the guys feel that way about Matt Nagy if he does get fired. So I can't put myself in the in the shoes of a team, and I've heard people talk about it where they know their head coach is, is trash and it's just not a good situation. Um, but for me, I felt like I still wanted to play for Coach Jerron and I still wanted to play for Lovey just because of who they were and and just, you know, the, the, just what they meant to me and what they meant to the Bears and what they meant to us as players. 
how this whole thing start for you, man? Not not many people can get double digit years into the league and, <laughs> and and come out walking without a cane. Like I, when I see you, when I see you you're golfing or when I see you you're <laughs> queuing or doing whatever you do, you got your guitars hanging up in the back. Like you've always struck me as a dude who found a nice groove and stayed in that groove. You know, whether it be a Duke and then getting drafted to the Bears. Like when did you know? All right, this is the route I'm going to take, and I'm going to milk this thing for everything that it's got. Yeah, I'll go back to Duke real quick. And I got lucky. And honestly, it's people around you. It's 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 family. It's it's coaches. It's mentors. Uh, when I was at Duke, Joe Delamalor was our O-line coach. He's a Hall of Famer for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, had a couple other coaches that had a cup of coffee in the NFL. And they said, listen, this skill of you being a long snapper, you can do that in the NFL. And I got a funny story about that. I met my wife in college and uh, going into my senior year, she's like, well, you know what? You know, we talk about marriage or whatever. We, we were in love young. <laughs> right, right. I um, can dig it. And, and she's like, well, you know, in the future. And I'm like, well, there's a chance I can go play in the NFL. She's like, really? Like you play at Duke. And I'm like, well, as a long snapper. And she turns to me, she goes, that's a job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, I think so. They keep telling me to keep working on this for my senior year. Cause at that time in 1998 is when I got drafted, the NFL was transitioning into all teams having just a long snapper where it became a position. When I first came in, uh, Aldridge, his, I think his name was for the, the Lions, was a starting linebacker, was the uh, was their long snapper. Uh, Mark Shamira, I think, was the long snapper for the for the Packers. Chewy. A lot of guys, yeah, a lot of guys used backup linemen. Um, and I just got lucky where it became a full on position. So my rookie year, I came in at 296, wanting to be an O lineman, got drafted to be a long snapper. Keith Armstrong is the special teams coach, and he was awesome. Another great mentor. He said, Listen, this is your job. We're not bringing anybody in to compete against you. You have to do every single rep in camp, every single rep in, in training camp. You have to do every single rep in the preseason. And if you can do it, it's your job. So I, I, I loved having that opportunity. I didn't, I don't mind competing against somebody else, but I just said, all right, if I'm good enough, I'm going to get this done. Fortunately, got through year one. And I kind of looked at my wife. I was like, hey, we might, we might play in the, in the NFL for a couple of years. Well, then two years later, Mark Catley came to me. He's like, oh, here, we want to sign you for five more years. I was like, nice. excuse me, what? <laughs> five years? <laughs> I was like, that's eight years. I just made it. If I can finish this, it. I'm done. Well, I get to one more, uh, four, four years into that, Jerry Angelo comes to me and he goes, I want to sign you for five more years. I was like, oh, what the? This is amazing, man. So thank God for mom and dad and the genetics they gave me and the people <laughs> around me that for some reason I had that natural skill of being able to long snap a ball and, and two, being to uh, come to the Bears with Mark Atley when he drafted me, him give me the extension, Jerry Angelo as well, and, and all those guys that I've got to work with and Dave Tobe and uh, Mike Sweatman and Keith Armstrong believed in me. So that's how it happened. And I just, I said, listen, if I'm, if this is my job now, I was able to lose, go 296 down to like 255. Coach Jerron said it was okay. I said, listen, I'm going to be a long snapper. And fortunately the, the position changed into a, what, what it was. And that's the story. Yeah, shout out to Dave Tobe too, because we 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 locally here try to get that man a job for three straight years. Like, <laughs> yes. hey man, anybody anybody interviewing Dave Tobe? <laughs> like, and and Dave did a did a hell of a job as a special teams coach while mm -hmm. he was here with the Bears. Um, how you feeling, man? Because I also know that you know. It, if, and correct me if I'm wrong. You were you were the player union rep for no, the Bears. I, was, I was not. I was. You not. was not. You were not. No, I was okay. not. I was not. Thank God. <laughs> Another story. So the funny part was, if you were a rep for the Bears, it, we had like four years in a row. If you were a rep for no, the Bears. No, it was Hunter, right? It was Hunter. You got, you got cut. Oh. It was early on. It was like uh, Glenn Milburn got cut. Greg Huntington got cut. I don't remember those old days. And then there was like two others. It was like, and it was like, who wants to be the rep? And everybody said, nope. Not putting my hand up. <laughs> and then I think I we went to Robbie for a while, Hunter Hill uh -huh. for a while. And hired some smart guys yeah so I, I i from my early in my career i never raised my hand i got asked and say hey can we put you on the ballot and we'll nominate you and i was like nope i'm not doing it i i, I want to play 16 years <laughs> yeah that's, that's that's not a duty that you were going to sign up for we'll be back with more of the full goal with jason golf after a word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by netsuite by oracle as your business grows you might start seeing some lag there's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, 
That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. It seems like those since... Um, you know, the, the Will Smith concussion movie and, mm-hmm. and all the talk about CTE and protocols and head injuries and, and, and also pension stuff. You know, like yes. every, every two, three years, a pension thing will pop up and then we'll talk about it and then it will go back under the covers. How, how is the NFL treating former players? Like how, how are you guys? I know you guys are all banged up and beat up, but yeah. how are you getting taken care of so that those injuries aren't as painful as and as long-lasting as seemingly they were and are when there's no light being shined on it? So it's getting better, right? But it's not the level I think it should be. Uh, you know, you said I'm not walking with a cane. The funny thing is I had my hip replaced in February, but hips are easy. They do those. You walk in, you walk out. That's no big deal. Um, so there was an opportunity for me to use the NFL to help me get that done. But I went privately and found a doctor here in Chicago I went with. But I know players that, that get things done through the NFL. So they are helping, but I still think there's more money out there for some of these players that are really hurting. I think, well, obviously we know the NFL has all the money in the world, but it's, 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 it's moving slowly in the right direction. I'd like to see it move faster. Mm, yeah, definitely. I, I've had Lomas Brown on a couple mm-hmm. of Briggs and, you know, I always try to ask and see how you guys are doing because, you know, we, we talk about it and we, we, we cheer and scream for you guys. But when those lights go off, those injuries, those injuries don't go away and that pain doesn't subside. And, and if you're not living the lifestyle that you used to live, sometimes, unfortunately, guys got to go different routes to try to make sure that pain is managed. So I always want to always try to figure out how you guys are doing as well. No, it's true. And it's, it's on the individual as well, because sometimes injuries, you know, you're talking severe injuries, linemen, that they have to get surgery and, and maybe that's really going to change their lives. But guys like me that played you know, say if a guy played five, six years, a long snapper that played 16 years, they can still move okay. It's on you to continue to move. Continue to get out of bed, go work out, do something on the floor, stretch, just do something, walk and move. I think what you see is a lot of guys, they're sick of working out. They're sick of training. Yeah. And I yeah. think you just have to continue to train, and that's hard, and that's on the player, that's on the individual. And sometimes, it, okay, it might hurt to train. Then you go get that surgery and get it fixed. That's what I had to do with my hip. I was like, this is killing me. I can't walk the golf course. I can't squat. I can't, couldn't go walk the dog for more than a mile. So once you get to that point, you have to get things replaced and fixed. But there are some guys I know that are okay. They're banged up, but then they're not doing anything for themselves. They're not doing their own self-care. So it goes both ways a little bit. Maybe I'm on my soapbox preaching that, but no, no, some, of us, you know, some of us players that, that, that still train or work out, that we look at other guys like, why aren't you moving? Go to the gym. But another thing is mental health, depression. So it's, 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 it's each individual, but there are some guys that don't take it upon themselves to kind of heal themselves. Do you guys like sit on team group chats or group texts? Like, do you, do you, how, how do you, how often do you stay in touch with teammates that maybe you were close with, some that you weren't so close with? Like, how does that happen as maybe moments in, in, you know, in your team's history come up or, you know, yeah. pivotal times like this where you're like, hey, did you see this happen? Hey, by the way, I'm reaching out. Does that happen often? Yeah, there's quite a few group chats out there, but also I, I, when I describe this to people, it's like when you go see your good high school buddy. You might not have talked to him in years, but you pick it right up where you left off. And that's the way it is for all of us. And I, you know, I can look at my phone and I can't say I text everybody all the time. There's certain people I text more, but we had an unbelievable locker room. But as soon as you do text somebody, it's coming right back to you. It's not one of those like, oh, he went silent. No, it's coming right back to you. And I think that's just the respect we had for each other in the locker room, the friendships that we had for each other in the locker room. And we did. We had a special one. We had a lot of guys come in from the outside to, to, to our locker room from other teams are like, man, this is the way it is. This is the way it can be. And a lot has to do with Brian Erlach or Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman, Olin Krutz, Mike Brown, all those guys kind of built that culture. And, and just, it was, uh, it, it's an amazing thing in the NFL. You take all these kids, Olin and I joke all the time. It's like, how's a kid from Marietta, Georgia 
and a kid from Honolulu, Hawaii, become buddies. You get in the NFL locker room and you spend 13 years together. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Shout out to shout out to Olin too, by the way. Yeah. One, yeah. one of my because uh, I love what he's become in the media space. Because oh, he's, while, he's fantastic, man. While Olin was in that locker room, boy, I, I used to go in there every once in a while and laugh how how terrified some of the people were of him. I'll never forget that time where it was it was a, a tumultuous time and people were asking yeah. questions back to back to back, and he knew it was coming, and he just started flickering those locker room lights. Yes. And I'm oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, dude, I've never seen somebody control a locker room of grown men and also people that he is not employing just by yes. the flicker of a light <laughs> and just his look. And he had that look. So I spent, what, 13 years with him. There were days you knew he was not in a good mood. And some people <laughs> couldn't read him well. And my locker was right now. We had one between us. We were kind of right next to each other. And there would be days I'd sit down, look over in the morning. I would just stand right up, walk out, and be like, I'm not sitting here today. I'm going to go to the other room. I'm going to go to the other weight room, get an extra workout in. I'm not being around this guy today. But then there's times you're like, I want to be around Olin because he's happy Olin, fun Olin, joking around. But I mean, yeah. there were some days he was moody. Like, he's like, I mean, he was so serious about football. You could tell he was thinking about football. Like, I don't want to talk to you right now. And he would just, I'm like, all right, time to get up and move on. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I think I mean, people I, finally understood me. Is It's like, where's Manly going? Oh, oh, okay. He's getting away from Olin right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to do something else. <laughs> he's going to do something else and not mess yeah. with Olin. Well, it's like, your, it's like our, yeah, well, it's like your wives. You know when your wives in a bad mood? Hey. You might just get up and be like, hey, I got to go for a walk. Yeah, well, <laughs> or or you're not allowed to go for a walk and you just got to sit there and, 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 and stare it out for a little while. Yes, exactly. exactly <laughs> I, I'll talk to you about exactly. that off the pod, though, brother. <laughs> uh, in, in your time, you mentioned Lovey, and we're going to wrap this up because you've mm-hmm. given us far more of your time than, than we expected, and I appreciate you for that. Uh, but you mentioned Lovey, and Bears fans go back to that 10-6 season and – Seemingly, since then, this thing has been rocky, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that was that a tough moment for everybody? Because I know what Lovey meant to some of the guys in that locker room and how he handled some of you and how you respected him. Uh, when you go ten and six and you get fired, do, your coach gets fired. I should say. Do you do you take it like, man, I feel bad. I was part of this guy not not retaining his gig, or is it just business as usual? No, for that man, it was not at all. So we were talking about who's in charge. When Phil Emery got hired, we know that he's his boss. So we knew that we had to make the playoffs. That was kind of on the wall and understood as the season was going on. And on that bus ride home, we took a – wherever we, we came back from wherever we played, and we're in the bus coming into Hallis Hall, and our bus was like, man, this is going to be the last time we're on the bus with Lovey Smith as our head coach. And it was sad. It was really, really sad. We knew we didn't make the playoffs. Um, we knew that Phil Emery was in charge and wanted to make a change. And for a guy like that, the guy that we've been around for as long as we uh, had and how respected that man was between all of us. I, I love that man. I just, he kind of changed my life too, of how you deal with people and how you are as a human, because how consistent he was, he was the same guy every day, his little notch up. You knew he was excited, his little notch down. It was almost like your dad yelling at you, like you forgot to cut the grass or so. You know what I mean? Like you just you not to be worse than that. Like he's going to come after you. He's going to you know. Um, Jiminy Christmas. That man to me was just yeah. He was God. He was. It was sad, man. I just I, I, that's a vivid memory I have, and there was a lot of talking going on our bus that this is the last time we're going to have Lovey Smith as our head coach. Yeah. Yeah, and, and since then, there's been a, a Canadian Football League guy in there. There's been, there's been a lot. There's been a lot. There's, some been, mistakes. there's, there's been some mistakes. Yeah, there's, there's, been, a, there's been a few mistakes, uh, mm-hmm. and, and we've, we've detailed those mistakes. Pat, yeah. thank you so much, man. As we let you go here, worst day of your career, best day of your career. Oh, man, worst day of my career. Um, that's a good – let's go best day of my career has to be – has to, I mean, even though it's a loss, the Super Bowl, just everything that led up to it from walk, getting dressed in the locker room to coming out in pregame to going back in the locker room to see, being able to run across the field where the flashbulbs were. I was fortunate enough to be a captain to be out there at midfield and to be able to experience that. So that to me, and then Devin Hester running back, and then if you cut it off right after that, <laughs> that to me, that's a, that's a little boy's dream come true. That's beyond a little boy's dream come true. So that's that's the best day of my career. Um, man, I'm trying to think the worst day of my career. That's 
selfishly, it'd be the only bad snap I ever had against the San Francisco 49ers in that 40-mile-an-hour win day. <laughs> if I could take that one back, I wouldn't have had a bad snap. But it tells us that all humans aren't perfect, and I made a mistake. Oh, so. Lord have oh, mercy. Well. See? See? You thought he was just this fun-loving, humble dude this entire <laughs> interview, and all of a sudden, Pat Manley really came out just now. No, I could dig it, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I could dig it. Hey, you got to be a little selfish, too, to be great. <laughs> <laughs> See, there it is. See, this is the Pat that I know, ladies yep. and gentlemen. Yep. Uh, who's who's snapping that thing with 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 Pat Manley's respect these days in the league? Like, who are the who are the top two or three long snappers in the league? Because I know you got them. I just my number one right now is James Winchester, and fortunately, Dave Tobe has him. Uh, uh, he's a guy. Actually, it was cool. Tobe brought me out there when he was right after his rookie year to kind of work with him and just kind of talk through things. And he was raw, and he's taken the craft over and worked at it. He's a it, to me, Jason, the thing is, every you got to snap, protect, and cover. All these kids can snap now. That's all they do. You know, college. They, they, I've, I've got college tape now. I'm watching these kids. They're unbelievable. They are so accurate. So all these guys can snap. But then the hard thing they have to do is transition from college to the pros, and that's to be able to protect. So protection is very difficult. That's what takes these good college snappers to be a pro snapper. You got to be able to protect. And James does both those very well. And the other thing he does is cover. Like I, when I was younger and could run, I loved to cover because that's when I felt like I turned in from a long snapper to a football player. Yeah. James James Winchester to me is a football player. So that, that's my number one right now that I watch. There it is. Uh, what you listening to these days? We, we're going to put together a Spotify playlist of all our interviewees. We've had some very eclectic sounds come out of the mouths of, of the guys and girls who have joined the, the Full Go podcast, whether it be current, old, whatever the case what uh? What, what you what you vibing well, out to these days? I'm gonna tell you about your future because I know you got a young one. I've got a 15 year old daughter, so obviously she runs the radio, right? So I've been listening to a lot of Harry Styles, <laughs> 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 and I'm actually becoming a fan. The there it is, talented, man. I took my daughter to a show at the UC, and I was like, man, this guy, he's got this place rocking. And I, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of just good music. I don't care whether it's rap, rock, uh, jazz, blues. Country. If it's good, yeah. I'm a yeah. If it's good, I'm a, I'm a fan. So I listen. Honestly, I listen to everything. But right now, it is Harry Styles twenty four seven. There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. The big, bad, tough, 16-year Chicago Bear veteran, your local hero, is vibing out to Harry Styles singing at the top of his lungs in the car with the kid. I, I can appreciate can, can, that. Canyon, Canyon Moon's a great song, man. There, oh, and he's <laughs> dropping the singles on us. Uh, this is a full-service interview. We can wrap this right here. Pat, <laughs> yep. thank you so much, man. You made yourself available, as you always have, over the last 20-some-odd years. I truly appreciate you, brother, and uh, look forward to talking to you next. Well, it's fun chat with you, and it's great watching you do all the things you're doing now, man. One love, brother. Thank you. That's Pat Manley right here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. Time for some commercials. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Coming up on the next episode of The Full Goal with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for this episode of The Full Goal Podcast. I want to thank my guest, Pat Manley, one of the best to ever do it. Solid dude. Always has terrific insight and also gives you a, a, not just a look into the game that's being played today, but yesteryear for all you Bears fans, because we always want to know the juice and the gossip and the dirt behind the scenes. Sometimes we just get it a decade later. We always appreciate Pat Manley for jumping on with us. We hope you all have a great, great Thanksgiving. We'll be back Sunday night where maybe, maybe we'll find out who the Bears interim coach will be. Plus, all the latest news on the Bulls and if the Cubs and Sox make any moves. Shout out to Kendall Graveman. Yeah, Sox getting themselves another arm. We'll break it all down for you. And don't forget to hit us up on the voicemail line, 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. As always, thank you to our producers, Steve Cerruti, Chris Tannehill, and Jesse Lopez. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing and subscribing and doing all the things that you do. Make sure that you are reviewing us and rating us on any platform that you are listening to us. Of course, Spotify is the gang. This has been the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. Have a happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Be safe out there. Pass the keys to somebody if you've had too much. 
Just be cool. Just be safe. Be cool. And as always, take care of each other. We'll holler at you. Thank you for listening to my daddy. It's a full go, baby. Okay, bye. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.